of Jesus and uh, be enabled to both sing and rejoice and give and share to God's word. Uh, some of you may not know uh, who I am, but my name is Doug Eversquick and my wife Nancy and some of my children and uh, brother and sister-in-law and nephew and grandnephew are here also. Uh, you remember Lynn and Judy, I'm sure. Uh, so we're enjoying some time as a family. We live and work as missionaries in Zimbabwe, where we've been for some years, and uh, are grateful to be back for this six months, the second half of the year. And Calvary is the place we come back to all the time, and we're glad to be here. I want to say a great big thank you to you folks. Uh, as a church, you have uh, extended love and uh, goodness to us. We came back uh, about five weeks ago to a set to, a, to an apartment on Washburn Place that's set up for us with a set of car wheels to use while we're here with a fridge that had food in it and, and a few ShopRite uh, grocery cards. So just we are really grateful for your kindness to us. Uh, thank you. This morning we're going to be looking at a psalm that uh, may not be on your top list of awareness, but we're going to turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And uh, we're going to walk through this together. And Lord willing, we'll draw some lessons from it. And maybe we'll be stirred to some response. So let me start reading the first few verses, because these verses actually set the stage. In fact, they are, to a large extent, this whole message. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is... Now you know these words, huh? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is... For his steadfast love endures... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now, this psalm was written at a time that followed the return of God's people to Jerusalem. Uh, as you know, they had uh, for many, many years been instructed by the Lord towards walking in his ways and obedience to his path. And uh, repeatedly they went on their own way and the Lord sent prophet after prophet with the message of, listen, please, you need to pay attention to this or you're going to find yourself in trouble. And it got to the point where the rebellion in the hearts of God's people was so persistent and, and full that God sent invading armies. And you recall that back in somewhere around 586 
B.C., before Christ, Jerusalem was overrun by the Babylonian army, and the people were taken away to Babylon. And no doubt that they, many of them were taken to Babylon, and from there they were scattered around as, as servants and slaves and put into situations in different parts of the kingdom. So now this psalm was written after God, by his design and by his, his using King Cyrus, brought the people back to the land. And you've walked through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther in recent, in recent months. And you understand that the people came back having endured many, many things. And here we find a psalm that was written after they returned, after they returned home, after they had learned many lessons along the way. But this became a psalm where they were called once again as a people to pay attention. And the call was simply this, understand that God is, come on, God is, and his mercy, his loving kindness endures. But you know what? As they came back, and as they gathered in this process of building and rebuilding and establishing community again and recalling memories and connecting with family and, and, and friends from the past, there were stories that were shared. There were experiences that sometimes were just by the individual, though they were recounted and shared. Sometimes they were groups of people that had a shared experience, and as they gathered together, they couldn't help but talk about it and share it. And we find some of that taking place and, 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 and encapsulated in this psalm. Because as we proceed from here, this initial call to worship and thanks and praise, we find that the psalmist, in a very orderly fashion, gives four different accounts that were known, that were shared, that were now described. And there's a pattern that takes place as he recounts this and brings people to the point of saying, you ought to praise God. And so we're going to walk through these together. But I think you know how it happens. Have, how many of you have had an experience where you have, you absolutely know that you have been spared from some great danger, you have been, you have been, you, you have been set free from some dangerous enemy. A situation that is dreadful and, 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 and full of trouble and problems. When you come through it and you recognize God's hand on it, you can't help but say, praise God, let me tell you about it. Earlier this year, we were sitting in our living room with a group of our friends. Jonathan Govero, a, 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 young, a, a young man having been married two or three years, had a heart to share Jesus with people on the campuses in, in, in Zimbabwe. His, his wife was there, and his one-year-old child was there. And he came among us having had an experience the previous week that, that had just 
it had deeply affected him. You see, earlier in the week, we received a text from him saying, please pray for us. We've had an accident. And he, as a young man working with students on the campus, had taken three other young men on a ride down to South Africa where there was a big gathering, a conference, that, that he just wanted these, these young people who, who wanted to, to know the Lord better and wanted to know how to serve the Lord better. He wanted to take them there to this, to this conference. They got on a bus, and at first the, 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 the young men got there early enough, and they ended up uh, in the back of the bus. Jonathan came just a little bit later, and the bus had already filled up, and the only seat for him was the very front seat of what is like the equivalent of a Greyhound bus, a big bus, high, looking out onto the road ahead, and there he was in the front row behind the driver, and his guys were in the back row, and way in the back there, he could hardly wave to them when things got going. And the roads going down there are not very, they're not, it's not like getting on Route 80, much as you might not like Route 80. Not like getting on Garden State Parkway. The roads are narrow and go one lane each direction, and those big vehicles take more than their share of the road. And these buses traveling from Zimbabwe to South Africa drove through the night, stopped at the border, spent a couple hours at the border, and then on down to, to Johannesburg. Well, on the way, having passed through the border, spent the time there, now they were going down uh, on their way, and suddenly he was asleep. The next thing he knows, the bus is tumbling and rolling in the, in the ditch, and he didn't know what had happened, but at high speed, these guys drive like, like, like they're flying. And now the bus is going down and crashing and tumbling, and he shakes his head uninjured, except for a few bruises and stuff. He's desperate now for his friends who are in the back. And as, 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 as people were able to sort of climb out and so on, he was able to find his friends. It was dark. It was hard to do. Everybody with their cell phones trying to walk around and figure out what was going on. Everybody dazed and shocked. He and his friends were untouched. You can imagine. He sat with us and he says, we could only say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you rescued us. Um, nine other people in that bus died. And these young men were holding the hands of people who were pinned under the bus sharing Jesus. You can't help but understand when you come through it. Now, maybe Barb and John Mealy would have walked into our room. You know, I bet it wouldn't take very long before we started remembering back in, was it 2014? Uh, a team, a group from you here at Calvary came out there and did some ministry with us. It was great. The last day we thought, well, we're going we're gonna to have an experience that we're going to just... As we're unwinding, we're going to enjoy. And so we took him to a place, and there uh, 
It was great. Everybody was having fun until, you see, saw the wildlife, enjoyed the good food, rides in the, in the safari vehicle, riding on an elephant, and there walking around, everything was going very nicely. Some got on, some got off. John and Barb got on, had a nice ride, came back, and as they were coming back to the platform to disembark, for some reason, the elephant got excited, agitated, and started moving around unpredictably and, and, and aggressive. And there was nothing but a mat on top of this 10, 11-foot elephant. And Barb slipped and in slow motion fell down awkwardly. Didn't know it at the time, but she broke a pelvis and uh, she had some damage to her spleen. And there she was, we were nearby watching this unfold in slow motion, and the elephant was, was, was angry. And we remember praying out loud, some of us, certainly all of us in our hearts, huh? Lord, spare these people because they are in danger. Don't let that elephant harm these people. Well, there she was laying under this elephant, and this elephant was moving around like this, and one step on her, and it would have been tragic. It was tragic already. And the elephant moved on his attention to the, to the handler and started chasing the handler into the, into the deep grass nearby and scrambling away on his back all fours. And God spared everybody from what could have been a very deadly experience. And you, under, you need to know that when we gathered together again as a team, it was praise God. Thank you, God. You rescued Barb, and you rescued John, and you rescued that handler from a very dangerous situation. You can imagine a friend of ours, Sylvia, walking in. And some years ago, Sylvia was a very self-sufficient woman of means, and her husband and her family were doing great, and they had no time at all for God or for the Lord. And her oldest son, the apple of her eye, was killed in an accident. And if she came into our room and started sharing these stories about God having rescued and delivered and redeemed and saved, she would say from the depths of despair and, 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 and trouble in my heart, God rescued me. And praise God, he put me on a path that I came to know him and love him. And she would be the first one in the group to say, praise the Lord, for he is and his mercy is everlasting. You see, this psalm is a call to us who have personally been delivered from one form or another of danger or trouble to give expression to it, not to hold it within our own heart and mind, but let the redeemed, those who have been delivered, those who have been spared, let them what? 
Let them say so. The NIV puts it this way. He said, let the, let the redeemed tell their story. This psalm is a psalm not only of recognizing and declaring that God is good and his mercy endures forever, but it's a call to you and to me who have known God's redeeming, saving power and grace to declare it. You see, it's not just about our experience and us and God thanking God, because as we declare God's goodness and use the illustration of what he has done in our lives, it is for all of our good. And it may be that someone among us is in a situation that seems to have no resolve. This psalm helps us to help each other to turn to the Lord. So let's read together these next four accounts that the psalmist points to. The first one is, is uh, verses 4 to 9. And I'm reading from the, uh, with the ESV, English Standard Version. If you want to follow along, and I would urge you to, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, and that is page what? Uh, okay. Um, Psalm 107, verses 4 to 9. Let's read them together. We will read them in unison. Verses 4 to 9. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. They cried to the Lord, Lord in trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. The first of these accounts that is shared, no doubt gathered from, from the experiences that, that, have, been, that have been told and, and put together, the first account is from those who have endured desert days. Now you remember in the history of, of Israel, they've, they've had desperate days in, in Egypt and then 40 years of wandering and then in the promised land and seeing God in many ways, and then exile. And uh, the first account is those who have endured desert days. Some wandered in desert wastes, hungry, thirsty, faint-hearted, longing for a city. I don't know if you have ever been in a desert place in a place where there just is not enough water. There is not much in the way of food. Some found themselves, perhaps because of the exile period, perhaps trying to evade, invading, tr avoid invading armies, perhaps even on their return trip back to Israel, 
Some found themselves in a situation where they were in a desert wasteland. And it was, it was not simply challenging physically, but there was a desperation that sets in of not knowing where to go, what to do, how to cope, just yearning, longing for a place that they could home, a place that they could be where there was community and resources and what they needed and rest and peace. The psalmist says, some found themselves in this situation, just desperate. Their soul fainted, but what did they do? They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And in this instant, he delivered them from their distress. And he led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Others found themselves in a situation that was quite different. The second account is in verses 10 to 16. Verses 10 to 16. I'm going to invite uh, the men to read these verses. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and iron, for they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with large labor, and they fell down, and none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress, and he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze, and cuts in two the bars of iron. This next picture of divine deliverance, uh, this next account to be remembered, relates to those who had found themselves in desperate darkness, in bondage, in chains, incarcerated. And there may well have been literally among the returning people of God who had been in chains in Babylon or somewhere else, who were longing to be set free, who were desperate, who could not help themselves. They were in trouble, no way out. We find these two cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts the bars of iron. You remember uh, the song by the rivers of Babylon? We sat down and we cried. 
when we remembered Zion. Taken from scripture, the, the, the lament of God's people who were far from home, who had been taken away, who were not there at liberty, longing to be back where they ought to be. And I don't know, we may never have sat in a prison for what we've done or what we haven't done, but I think we know enough of life, either from our own experience or from friends and loved ones or from those around us, to understand that there are chains that bind, that imprison people body, soul, spirit in a place where they cannot under any circumstances free themselves. That was the situation of these people. And the psalm reminds us that they cried out to the Lord and God delivered them. I have a feeling that some of us have been delivered along the way. No, God's God unshackling us a relationship or a situation or an addiction or whatever or a debt. Those who have known God's breaking of the shackles, let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. The next account is those who suffered for their own foolishness and sin. Now, in the first instance, those who were in the wilderness, that may or may not have been related to sin and rebellion against God. But they found themselves in a situation that they had, they, they just longed for what they couldn't get themselves, and they needed God's intervention. They cried out to him. In the second instance, those who were shackled in darkness and imprisoned, they had no way out but that was because they had rebelled against the Lord. In this instance, there is, uh, there, it seems there is a situation that has developed, not necessarily because the intent of the heart was to stand in opposition to God and defy him, but it seems that it may well have been choice after choice that in effect, was a disregard to God. And in some instances, it was sinful, and the consequences that came on were pretty awful. It led them to a place where the body failed, where they were on the brink of death, they couldn't eat. Let's read this together. Um, I'm going to invite the ladies to read. Verses 17 to 22. Verses 17 to 22. Some were fools.
see the pattern is coming through quite clearly, huh? People find themselves in a situation they can't cope with, it's desperate, it's troublesome, it's dangerous, and in that moment they cry out to God and God intervenes on their behalf and the call is praise God. Praise God. And in this instance, we find that they had, they're referred to as, foolish, as fools. Because of their sinful ways, they suffered affliction. They made choices along the way that brought trouble upon themselves. And the consequences were awful, bringing them to desperation, near death, illness, trouble. And in that, they cried out. I remember sitting with a group of young people uh, years ago um, who uh, would, would get together in our home couple of these guys, you just could see they were on a track that was going to bring trouble to them. They were going to suffer because of the choices they were making. And I, I took out a, a, a barrel of blocks. We, years ago, we had gone to a, uh, a furniture shop. They make furniture. and got all the offcuts, the little triangles and the squares and the blocks and painted them different colors and put them in a, in, in a box. And, and we would pour them out. And the kids would say, come on, let's play blockhead. And you take a block and you put it there, and the next person puts one on, the next person puts one on. Well, until somebody puts one on and it falls, and then there's there's a blockhead. So we would play blockhead, and I took out this barrel of, of blocks and put it on, and I said, you know, you need you young people need to understand built on choices. And you can play a block, make a choice that's going to stand you in good stead. And it's going to make it much easier for the next block to be put on. But inevitably, there was somebody that would try and be smart. And they would put a triangle on in an awkward place, so it was hard to put a block anywhere. Well, you could squeeze a block on, but it wasn't a very steady, sturdy spot. And before long, because of the precarious nature of the building, these blocks that were put in place, inevitably one was going to crash and bring it all down. And that, I was sharing with these young people, is a lot like our lives. We make, we build our lives around choices, and some of the choices we make stand us in great stead. But there are all too many times that the choices we make do nothing but make it very difficult to carry on without calamity. And then we live with the situation. In this case, in this account, they suffered as fools from their own sin, bringing about sickness and trouble. But the psalmist says they cried out to God. And the psalmist reminds us that God heard their prayers and answered them and brought them to a point, taking them out of their trouble, restoring them. 
But the psalmist says, let them give thanks to the Lord. But not only let them give thanks to the Lord privately or in their prayers or in their song, but let them declare it in the congregation. Let them share it with others. And it's a call not simply to being thankful privately, but it's a call to corporate giving thanks. The fourth account is those who went to see. Verses 23 to 32. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters, and they saw the deeds of the Lord and his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. And they mounted up to heaven and went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in their evil plight. And they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Now, the children of Israel, those living in Judah, they didn't, they, it wasn't like living in Norway, where everybody and their brother understood the sea and made their living on the sea. They made their living on the land and with their flocks. For some reason, some of the people who now were back had been dispersed and made their livelihood or sought to make their livelihood on the sea, out to the west. And they saw things and experienced things that were new and awesome. They came to understand the power and the might of God who stirred up the storm and the, and, and the situation of being on the storm and a boat going up and down and unable to, unable to do anything about it, wondering if you're ever going to survive. And in the experience crying out to God. And we're told that God heard them and took them to the desired haven. These were men who weren't in rebellion. They perhaps had been pushed into pursuing a living that they might not have chosen, but they were simply trying to make a go in life trying to find a way to make a living, to care for the family, to pay the bills. And they found themselves in a situation where there were forces at work beyond their control, either to change or to avoid. They were in the thick of it. And in that moment, they cried out to God, who heard them, quieted the waters, took them to the place, the desired haven. Now, if we were sharing this with our friends in Zimbabwe, a congregation in Zimbabwe, they may well have identified with the first of the accounts in a wilderness without the means, longing for peace and stability in a place called home. They may well have identified it with that. Some, because of life, choices and where they've been, they may well have identified with being in, being, being in bondage. Some perhaps living with the consequences of, 
bad choices. Many would identify with this situation. People in a, in a context where the economy is just in turmoil, where the politics are, are, aren't friendly to anybody or anything, where the social structures are so corroded and broken. Trying to make a living, trying to pay a bill, trying to get school fees together to keep the child in school, trying to cope with the, with the inflation where my salary is static, but this week bread is twice as much, and groceries are two and three times as much. Trying to find balance in a situation which is so unstable and desperate. And there would be many in Zimbabwe who reading through this psalm would zero in and say, I understand that. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. But the psalmist doesn't stop in just describing the situation. The psalmist rehearses their crying out to the Lord in their trouble and his deliverance in their distress and the stilling of the, of the storm, bringing them to a desired haven. And the call once again, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And it's not just thanking God for help in the storm and the situation. It's a broader thanks and an appreciation of his deliverance of me and my loved ones in these kind of situations. Sure, we thank him for it, but it's instructive for all of us because it shares something about God himself. Who is God? God is the one who is willing to humble himself to be the, the, the last resort for those who cry out to him. Praise God. So what do we do with these things? What use can we make of them? The psalmist gives us a good starting point in answer to that question, the very last verse of the psalm. He says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Whoever is wise, let him consider these things. Not only the things in the psalm, but the general understanding that God is good. And his mercy lasts for? And that's true in our lives and our experience, and we ought to praise God for that. But it's true. That's the way God is. Always. And so it is wise for us to give consideration to these things. Consider that God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. But we're not in Jerusalem after the exile. We haven't endured the, the time away in Babylon or forced uh, exile looking for employment somewhere. But I have a feeling that many of us can identify with one of these situations. Maybe you're in a wilderness situation. Maybe that's where you are right now. You can't cope. You don't know which way to turn. You don't know how to proceed. You're just longing for something that you can't have. Let me suggest this is a good time to cry out to who? To 
the Lord. Because the Lord is, and his mercy lasts. Maybe you rather identify with the situation of being in darkness and bondage. Shackled to something that you can't rid yourself of, that you can't control. Desperate. Longing to be free. And it may well be that it has been from a place of rebellion against God. That's where you find yourself now. This psalm is a reminder. Call out to God. Cry out to him in your trouble because the Lord is good and his mercy lasts. Maybe you have been through that and you're on the other side and you've known God's deliverance either from the wilderness or from the shackles and in your heart you once again are stirred to give praise and affirm God is good and to share your story. Let those who have been redeemed say so. Tell their story. Perhaps you identify with being in dire straits because you have made choices that have brought trouble into your life. And if you're still there, it's a great time to cry out to the Lord. And if you've come through that, it's a great time to praise God and declare that he is and his mercy lasts. And perhaps some of you are living in a storm. Perhaps you're living in a time and a place where you just can't keep balance. Everything is changing. Things are beyond your control. You just wish that things would settle down and you could get to where you need to be. If that's where you're at, it's a good time to be saying, God in heaven, help. And if God has taken a time like that, brought you to a place where the waters are stilled and the safe haven is your experience, it's a great time to once again say, thank you, Lord, for you are and your mercy lasts. Yeah. Have you been redeemed? Have you been saved? Have you been spared from danger or trouble? Have you been saved? from the consequence of sin, which brings spiritual and eternal death. We're coming to the, to the communion table. My goodness, friends, this is a time and a place to once again consider that because of what Christ has done and our faith embracing it, there has been a new life given. Forgiveness of sin and the dwelling of God's spirit in us and promises of eternity with him. This is a time and a place to say, praise God, for God is good and his mercy lasts. And we partake of this not simply as a private, personal expression of thanks and commitment, it becomes a very public statement. As I take part of the bread and drink the wine, I affirm my faith in Christ and my confidence of his work on my behalf. But let me tell you something else. As I partake of it, I am telling you that I'm one who has been redeemed. 
I've been saved. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has done something in my life through, through the work of Christ. Understand that God is good and his mercy lasts forever. God bless you. Amen.